But take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter number 3. And we'll begin reading in verses 1 through 12. And then I'm going to have you jump on over to Acts chapter number 7, verses 20 through 33. I tried real hard not to have to read them, but I think I have to read it. So that way we'll read the verses and then we'll go ahead and we'll preach. Amen. So Exodus chapter number three, when you get there or when you're ready to read or whatever you may do, you can just shout amen. And then we'll just start reading when you're ready. Hallelujah. I got one. There we got one. Amen. So one amen means we can go for it. Now, Moses was tending the flock when Exodus chapter number three, verse one. And Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy. Everybody say holy. holy. Holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord. Uh, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and all the other sites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seeing the oppression with, with, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now jump on over to Acts chapter number 7, if you will. You can put your finger there. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number 7, we'll begin reading in verse 20. Acts chapter 7, verse 20. I got to run. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned or trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deed. And when he was 40 years old, everybody say 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand and the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting. 
And he tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he did. But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, who made you a ruler or a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this same, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had sons. And when 40 years, everybody say 40 years, had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And Moses saw it, and he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. But then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that your word, Lord, shatters all things and bring all things into conformity to it. Father, I bow this morning as just a servant, Lord. I pray that you would use me, all of you and none of me. Father God, I want this word, Father God, to go exactly where you want it to go, to touch where you want to touch and bring life where there's deadness, Father God, where there's staleness, where there's a lack of hope. The hope will, will come up afresh, that there will be a fresh move of God in the life of the people that are listening to this message or that are sitting here this morning, that there would be a breaking through. Father, in their personal lives. And Father, we give you the praise for it. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. We have been in a series and uh, we had taken a break for a couple of weeks and now we're back. And we've been talking about a God encounter. How many of you are looking for, believing God for an encounter that will change your life forever? Uh, we have been talking about that and uh, we, this message is really designed uh, so that you can see that God uses ordinary people. Most of the time when we read the Bible, for an example, oftentimes we think that the people that are giants of the faith, we sometimes make the mistake of thinking that they had it all together and that all the conditions were just right in their life and, and therefore God decided to use them. But what I want you to understand is that these folks in the Bible that we read about, David, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Moses, uh, the Apostle Paul, all of them had issues. Do anybody have issues? Amen. All of us have what we call issues. And I want you to know that they had issues, and yet that did not preclude God from using them in a significant way. And so what we want you to understand is that just as God did it with them, he can do it to you too. Just the stories that you read about don't just have to be words on the page. They can be words that you can be a written epistle, as Apostle Paul says, that the same things that happened in that day in their lives can happen in your life. You can have a God encounter that will take you to a whole nother level. And, I, and, and I'm hoping, praying this morning that as we move forward, you would understand that. Now, one of the things that I think it's important. You hear me talk about this all the time. You hear me talk about this concept of knowing God and, and understanding who it is that you serve. Reading the Bible, you hear us talk a lot about praying. Well, pastor, is it just that you want to give us more to do because you think we don't have anything more else to do? No. Um, have you know that if Jesus is your life, you ought to kind of know what he's about. 
if you get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, you and I need to know him. And knowing him, the more we know of him, the more better our lives are going to be. How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, the more I know my wife, the better I know her, the better my marriage is going to be. Come on. You see? Because I know her. I know what she thinks. I know what motivates her. I know what moves her. And so when you study the Bible, when you read, your whole concept should be, Lord, I'm trying to find out what are your ways. God, how do you think? Lord, what moves you? God, what motivates you? How do I come to that point God, God, where I see miracles happen in my life, that have me know God has a protocol. And that the more you know him, the better you know him, the more blessing or the more of a blessing you will be in your life. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because, you see, if you don't know the God that you serve, as it's written in the Bible, then your perspective will be shaped by that, by your lack of knowledge. Let me, let me say that again. In other words... If you think that your God is, is, is waiting there to beat you or to punish you, how many know that if you believe that you got a God that punishes you and he's just waiting in the wings and he's standing there like this waiting for you to step out of line? How many know that you ain't going to have a peaceful life? You're going to always be doing what? Looking over your shoulder. Because, because your perspective, and some people got a perspective like that. They really think. That God is out there just waiting for you to fall so that, so, that, so that, you know, he can just tell you, oh, I told you you shouldn't. But how many know God already knew what you were going to be doing before you knew it? A lot of times I find out that we get a revelation by, by, by ourselves. You know, I, you know, sometimes how many have ever been in a place where you, you thought you were one place and then some things happened in your life and God showed you that you really weren't where you think you are? How many have ever been there? And so, so I want you, we're talking this morning about the God of the second chance. How many of you can use a second chance in your life? How many of you have made some mistakes, you've made some bad choices, and, and you need to know that when you slip, fall, or stumble, that it ain't over. Some people think sometimes that, what well, I really blew it this time. The grace of God has run out on me. But somewhere I read that it's, High as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those that fear him. In other words, you cannot exhaust the mercy and the grace of God. Now, you may try it. Some of us, we really push the limit. <laughs> but you cannot exhaust the grace of God, the mercy of God, the favor of God. Because how many know, and this, now I want you to look at it from this perspective. How many of you like football, basketball? Baseball, well, not baseball. Uh, well, cheerleaders usually at, are at football games and basketball games, right? And, uh, but some about, you know, you can be in a game, but some about you get in an atmosphere. That's why I love college football, college basketball. You know, you get in the atmosphere, you see the cheerleader, yeah, go, pop, pop, and they're jumping up and down. And what is, what is the purpose of a cheerleader? To get everybody pumped up. To, get it, to let them know, look, we're on your side. You ain't going to have to do this by yourself. We're going to cheer you on. We're going to encourage you. You're going to do this. We're going to be there with you. And a lot of times, you're here, you're, here, you're here talk about in playoffs, whether it's football or basketball, you know, it's important to have that home court advantage. And you really think about it, it really doesn't matter where you play basketball. At the basketball court or football field, they're the same. It doesn't matter. But the atmosphere do. You see, and there's that atmosphere, there's some cheering going on, some excitement and some encouragement. How many know I can use a little bit of that? Now, here's what I want you to understand. Your God is your biggest fan and he is your biggest cheerleader. 
Now, now, for some of you, that might jack up your theology a little bit. But God is standing there, you know, God is standing there right behind the scenes. He's saying, you can do this. You can do this. I mean, God is there. He's, a, he's there to encourage you. He's there to lift you up. He's there to pull you up when you fall, when you, when you stumble, when you make a bad choice, when you make a mistake. God is not there. God doesn't just look at you and say, oh, well, you know what? That's on you. How do you know that God, God will come right to your rescue and he'll look at you and say, get up. He'll dust your knees off. He said, keep going. You can do this. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do this. Okay. See, you got to understand that God is your biggest fan. That God is your biggest cheerleader because the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against me? Do, do, do you understand what that means? I mean, if, if, if God is for you, there is nothing more stronger, nothing more powerful than almighty God. And if God got your back, you're in good shape. Ain't nothing no man, nobody can do to you because if God decree a thing, if God purposes a thing in your life, it shall happen. It shall be established. And there's nothing that nobody can do. That's why I never get jacked up worried about people. Because all I need to know is, God, are you with me? Now, now you, you know the scripture that says that he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? Now, but, you know, I like that verse. I, no, I like that verse because it's not conditional. He never says, I will never leave you nor forsake you unless you do what's right all the time. He simply says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What do you think of a friend that's supposed to be your friend and you have a difficult time and they walk away and leave you? Mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't need those kind of friend, buddy. Don't need those. But Jesus says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, God never leaves us. We leave him. See, he's the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? And, and, and so God is always standing right here. He, he's loving us. He's caring. But what happened with us sometimes? We drift away from God. And then at some point, if, we're, if, if, if we get a revelation, we realize that we've gone too far. We look back and wait a minute, wait a minute, what am I doing out here? And, and you go back, and you know what? He's right there waiting. He's right there saying, you know what? I knew you blew it. I knew you made, it. I knew you made a bad choice. But you know what? I can still pull this thing off in your life. I can still do the impossible in your life. If you will still just believe me, how do you know God is there? He's there to lift you and he's there to carry you into your destiny. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He's a God of the second chance. How do you know he's not looking for perfection? Um, let me just say, you know that guy David, you, David and Goliath? You know about the story, David. Uh, did you know that David was a murderer? Did you know that David committed adultery? Did you know that David not only committed adultery, but he killed the lady's husband so he can have her? Now, I don't know about you, but that might be for me disqualification for ministry. <laughs> I'm just saying. For most of you, be like, oh, you can't come nowhere near this. Stay away, brother. You up here, you're committing adultery. You're here. Not only you lied, you hid it. You did. No, you, 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 you're done, Moses. But yet, uh, um, David, but yet God said concerning David, God says, David is a man after my own heart. And Jesus assumed the throne of David. But David wasn't a perfect man, was he not? I mean, he, how many of you have killed somebody? Don't, please don't confess. Just, okay, let me, uh, I, uh, <laughs> most of us ain't done nothing that bad. <laughs> Now, with our tongue, we've slandered a couple of folks. Now I'm preaching now. 
we cut down a couple folks with our tongue. We've done that. But, 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 you know, we haven't, you know, murdered nobody and, you know, went and killed somebody else's spouse. If you did, just, you know, don't, you know, just keep it to yourself. I'd return you in. I would have to report you. But the point is that all these folks made bad choices. But God gave him a second chance. Moses, whom we're going to talk about here in a minute, he was a murderer, and God gave him a second chance. Abraham, he was a liar, and God blessed him. Samson, he was a womanizer. Samson, you remember that strong, anointed man of God, that brother that was good-looking, had that cool, wavy hair, and just a strong man. That, you know, his strength was in his hair, and he had his hair cut, and then that was all over. But the point is, that brother, God used him mightily, but he was out there just sleeping around with everybody he could find. I know Peter. Peter denied Jesus. But uh, I read somewhere that Peter was like the leader of the apostles. And Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 people got saved. But before that, Peter was there saying, I don't know who Jesus is. Don't know the man. Start cursing. Now, I know none of y'all curse. Start cursing. I don't know. Bleep, 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 The man. <laughs> but yet God used them. In an extraordinary way. See, I'm preaching good this morning to all few of you. But, you know, you ought to be getting excited this morning because this word is just for you. And so it doesn't matter what you've done. God will give you a second chance over, you know, whether it's alcohol abuse, sexual sins, or over divorce and, and greed or gossip or selfishness. It doesn't matter what you've done. He is the God of the second chance. But those of us who really know him, he's the God of the first chance, second chance, third chance. And we can go on and on and on. You remember Peter? What did Peter say? Lord, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? You know what Peter was really saying? Peter was like, you know, Peter was like, look, I ain't going to just forgive this, but I, I need a cap because, you know, some, some people just want to abuse me. They want to take advantage of the situation. So, Lord, how, long, how many times should I forgive my brother? Peter said, how about seven times? I mean, Peter wanted to keep a record. I said, after the seven times, brother, cutting you off. God said, no, no, how about 70 times 7? And really, he didn't mean, he wasn't even thinking. Remember, he was really, Jesus was really saying, uh, every time they come and they want to confess and say they did wrong, you got to forgive them. That was an insight into the heart of God. Are you tracking with me? And so we talk about knowing God. Your father is always willing and ready to forgive. He said, confess your sin. I'll be faithful and just to forgive you, and I'll cleanse you every single time. Now, we get worried about that because we think, well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. Wait a minute. Uh, how many times? I mean, they keep doing the same thing over and over again, and then we want to condemn people. And we get trouble sometimes because we like, you know, uh, you know, this thing about this forgiveness thing. And, Lord, you know, what if? I mean, they're just taking advantage. You know, Jesus says, bless those that curse you and do good to those that use you and abuse you and say all kind of bad things about you. Jesus said, be good. Now, see, I'm messing some of your theology all up, all, uh, your theology up about regarding God and, and who he is. And see, I have to lay this foundation because I want you to understand how that God used Moses. Because we're talking here about Moses. Now, 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 Moses was the deliverer of God's people. God raised him. The, the first point, and I, we'll just, we'll just, I got 10 points here that I want to go through them real quick. So bear with me. But Moses, the first point was that God was preparing Moses for greatness from the beginning of his life. Now, you need to understand something, that God is preparing you for greatness. 
Your greatness may not look like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, but let me tell you something. You're called by God. He is preparing you for greatness. How do we know Moses was a little baby? Pharaoh has said, I want all the baby boys killed. And, they, and Moses was hidden so that they couldn't kill Moses. Moses was put in a little basket that can float on water. And guess who happened to, guess who just happened to find baby Moses and raise him up? Pharaoh's daughter. And if you know anything about the Egyptian culture, the Pharaoh was the king. He was the man that had all the money. He was the one that was calling all the shots. And here Moses gets favor. So all throughout the course of Moses' life, God had been tracking from the time that he was a little baby. God had already decided that Moses is going to be a deliverer of my people. Let me tell you something right now. God sent me to tell you here this morning that he has had his hand on your life from the very, very beginning. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know that from, from the time that you was a little kid that there was something in you that was telling you that I'm, I'm born for something great. Some of you right now, you're doing stuff right now that really you need to switch up because you know that you're supposed to be doing something greater than where you are you know that you're supposed to be doing something bigger than where you are because God listen God has God is charting your course he is and he he didn't just start charting your course when you came to Christ he started charting your course way before then God had already predetermined that were predetermined or look at Ephesians chapter number one if you will let me show you this Ephesians chapter number one verse five I can read it to you and show it to you. I want you to go there real quick because once I get there, I'm just going to take off. And so I want you to stay with me this morning. But Ephesians chapter number one, watch this. And we'll read verses 5 through 11. Watch this. He says then to watch. Having predestined. Now, see that word predestined? That predestined means God predetermined your boundaries or your destiny or your calling. Predestined. That means it was already Predetermined. You say, well, I, I decide my own career. Not really. How do you know that your human will cannot supersede God's divine will? You will lose every time. You are tripping. You are on dope. If you think that your human will can supersede God's divine will, something's wrong with your head. Watch this now. He says now, oh, God, I got so much. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for me because I'm just pregnant. I'm, I, I just got to do this thing. Uh, and him in whom we have redemption, verse 7, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. See, God showed you. He showed you to himself. You didn't just get there on your own. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together one in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Now watch this, verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. See, you attain a spiritual inheritance. Watch this. Being predestined, predetermined. There it is again. According to the purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose, purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Good God Almighty. Do you know what that means? That God has always had his hand on your life. I can remember as a little kid, I didn't quite understand it. I remember, I had said, now, now my mom kept me in church, but I remember as a little boy, I would just be walking and I would just be talking to God. I didn't know theology. I, didn't know, I, just, knew, I just knew that I was destined for something great. I just knew that God was going to use me. I, I don't fully understand it, but I knew you could not tell. I knew through, even when I was in my rebellion, anybody ever been rebelling against God? Even in my rebellion, I knew God's hand was on me. 
I sensed it. I ran from it from, for a while. How many of you have ever run from God? And, and I knew God was calling me. And, and, and I, I recognized that there was something that, was, that, that his hand of mercy was on my life. And he was calling to me to something that was much bigger than myself. And you ought to get excited because there's no autopilot in God. God got a purpose. He got a plan for your life. You may not understand it. You may not can realize it in its fullness. But you got to understand that he has a purpose. And he has a plan for your life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Second point. Watch this. Moses' calling and blessing was not just for him. Moses' blessing or what God, how God blessed Moses, that blessing was not just for him. See, Moses, watch this. This is good. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. See, Moses could have been. See, y'all got to help me preach this morning because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you I'm about to blow up up here. Y'all got to stay with me. You got to pump. You got to help me. But, 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 but understand something about Moses. Moses could have got that blessing. He could have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm here and, and, and I'm in Pharaoh's house. And, and, you know, I got all this money. I got all this riches. I got all of this. And yet my people, my people, Israel, are over here being enslaved. But you know what? That's their problem. God blessed me. See, God gave favor to me. But, 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 but my people over there that are struggling, that's their business. See, he could have took that attitude, could he not? He could have said, you know what? They, they, I'm blessed. God took care of me. Now, let, let me say this. There are a lot of Christians that think that the blessing that they get on their life is just for them. They think, in turn, the bishop said this last week, but they think that, that there's all about God just blessing me with a lot of stuff. Let me tell you something. God always think in multiplication. If you want to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing, you got to think globally. Are you tracking with me? Think globally. God is not interested in just blessing you just so you can walk around and say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. I got this, I got that. That's good. That's a byproduct of it. But it's not just for you. It's not just for you. The blessing that God places on your life is not just for you, but it is for the furtherance of the kingdom of, the kingdom of God. Watch this. It's bigger than you. Moses was given the blessing. He was brought into Pharaoh's house for this purpose. Watch this. So that he can deliver God's people, his people, out of bondage. His people at that time were being enslaved by the Egyptians. And God raised Moses up, trained him in all the, way of, in all the ways of the Egyptian culture, trained him, equipped him, so that God could use Moses, watch this, who had a relationship with the Pharaoh, because by default, it was his granddaddy, right? So he had a relationship with the Pharaoh. And so, so that when Moses walked up there and said, let my people go, you know, he knows who this boy is. But God had that, watch this, God had that in mind all along. And so Moses' blessing, the favor that God placed on his life wasn't just for him. Now watch this. Moses, Moses got the revelation that it's not just about me. See, we can get Christians to start thinking just, just, just stop thinking, well, it's, just, it's not just about you. If, 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 if Christians can start thinking, Lord, the blessing, you know, most of us, and Sister Diver said it this morning, but a lot of times, you know, we sometimes think about when God blesses us, we want to try to give less so that we can obtain more for ourselves. 
But when, but let me tell you, what would God do with a people that every time he increased and every time they blessed, that they just kept blessing the kingdom of God? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. You cannot outgive or outdo God. But what the, the natural tendency is, I get more, I get blessed, I want to hold it for myself. And, and let me tell you something, whenever you think that way, you are missing out on what God want to do in your life. You're not going to be blessed and obtain, watch this, the fullness of the blessing because you're looking at it as something just for you. And it's not just for you. One of the things that uh, my sister, the, the Carters over there said, he said that they get ready to get a new house. I hope y'all don't mind me saying that. Lord, you know. and, and, and you know you know, you know what they said to me? They said, well, we just want you to know that anytime y'all want to use my house for anything, uh, you know, when y'all want to have it, you, you're welcome. Kingdom people. See, they understand that the blessing that they have ain't meant just for them. So you don't have a problem with somebody tracking up your house, coming inside your house, because you understand that it won't just for me anyway. How can I further what I got for the interest of the kingdom? That's the way I need to think. So all my resources, all my money, all my gifts, all my talents, how can I use this to fulfill the purpose of God in my life? Now watch this. Moses said this. Moses said, and, and watch this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to recite it because I got to move. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. You can write it down. But watch this. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, watch this now. Now, I want you to hear this. This verse is loaded. He refused to be called, watch this, the son of Pharaoh. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. Choosing rather, watch this, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Do you hear that? So Moses could have just sat back and Moses could have said, you know what? I'm just going to just enjoy all this. But you know what? He said, I'm going to give it all up because I know there's a higher purpose for what God's calling me to do. Now, some of us would have been like, I ain't giving up this, Mer this Mercedes. I ain't giving up this Jaguar. I ain't giving up this million dollar crib. Are you out of your mind? I, you know, I love Jaguars, you know. So if I got a Jaguar, I would at least think about it, you know. Pray. I'll just be real, right? Jaguar. But, but you know, but, but what would God do with a folk, with a people that would say, anything I got? You know what, God? It belongs to you, and I'm willing to give it up. I'm willing to move cross-country if you want me to. I'm willing to go to some place that's out yonder where I don't even know the culture of those people because I believe that God has called me to do it. He's purposed me to do it. And let me tell you something. The best place you can be is smack dead right in the middle of God's wheel for your life. That's the best place you can be. Not where you think you want to be. It's God, God, what are you doing with life? God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? God, where do you want me to be? Because that's, see, that's, that's, where, that's where the blessing is. Because you're flowing in the thing that God has equipped you and prepared for you to do. Somebody say amen to that. So watch this now. The third point. God's calling, and we said this, God's calling includes a purpose. Everybody understand that. Moses was called to deliver his people. You may say, well, why am I here? There's a purpose. God, God doesn't do anything without purpose. You know, God don't just flip it, just do, God doesn't just flippantly just kind of just go, oh, that seems like a neat thing to do. No, no. Everything God does is with intention. Everything God does is deep. <laughs> It's deeper than you can ever imagine. I mean, everything God does, there's a purpose that is attached to it. 
you know you were born with your good looks for a purpose. You know we, you were moved to a particular location for a purpose. You know you have that job that you have for a purpose. You know that you were gifted the way that you are gifted for a what? Purpose. Everything about you, your personality, who you are, it is all tied to your purpose. See, the, the problem with a lot of people is they're disconnected from God. And so what do they do? I don't like how I look, so I'm going to change my sex. And people spend, I mean, bless his soul, Michael Jackson. I mean, I used to love Michael Jackson. I mean, I used to be that, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I was into that, you know, when I was a kid. The boy was bad. You got to give him his props. The boy was bad. But Michael Jackson was, he, he didn't understand who he was. So what did he do? He was discontented with himself and he changed himself to so much that, that it turned against him. He was thinking he was making himself look better when he was actually making himself look worse because he was moving further and further and further away from what God had called him and made him to be. And so understand, everything about your life is purpose. Every, where you go, where you live. I mean, the Bible said that God determines your boundaries. God determines where you're going to set up camping. God is in control of your life. Are y'all hearing this? So there's a purpose attached to what's going on in your life. That's why don't be jumping so quick to be moving here, moving there. You better hear God because you want to find yourself. Okay, God, I want to be right where you want me to be because that's where the maximum blessing is going to come. When I'm in the place that he wants me to be. Now watch this, the fourth point. Not everyone is going to be happy or applaud the call of God on your life. Acts 7.25. Diver, if you have that, you can put it on the screen for us. Acts 7.25. Now watch this. That scripture says, for he supposed, Moses, all right, watch this. Now this is deep. He supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Now let me say this. Because this is just a hard fact we got to deal with. Not everybody's going to be excited about what God is doing in your life. That's why some people you got to be careful who you share your dreams with. Amen. You just can't run and go tell everybody what God is doing because they can't handle it. Some folk jealous of you. Some people just, they just get, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? They're just jealous. They don't even know why they're jealous. But Moses said what? Moses said he thought that they understood. He said, Moses said, look. I thought the people understood, you know, that's why he acted impulsively and killed the Egyptian, because he was thinking, I thought they understood that God had called me. They should understand that, 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 that God had called me uh, to, to do this thing. That this was something that God was calling me to do. And not, listen, some folks don't even understand why they got a problem or why they got issues with what God is doing in your life. But one of the things you got to lay hold of is that some things, watch this, that God will put a calling, a gift, he'll put something in your heart, and sometimes you just got to keep it quiet just between you and God. I can't share this with nobody. There are certain things that God put in my heart I can't share with people. I just can't. I just keep it to my, I, I talk to, I talk to. There's only probably about two or three people, really one or two, that I really talk to. And I tell them some of my deepest secrets. Because I don't need no unbelief around me. Watch me. I, watch this. And I don't need nobody telling me what God can't do in my life. Right. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, when the Bible says all things are possible, I believe that. 
I'm just one of those nuts that kind of say, okay, cool. <laughs> All things are possible. You know, I just believe that. I mean, I mean, I live that way. That's what I live. That's what I breathe. And, and, and I understand. And not everybody's going to understand what God is doing in your life, but that's okay. All you need to do is do what God told you to do. Just do what he told you to do. Don't, don't, don't try to explain it. Don't try to give somebody a big, you need to, no, I didn't need to try to do all that. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Maybe it's just not meant for you to hear it right now. But you need to be careful who you connect with and who you link up with. Because some folk don't have your best interests at heart. And you need to know that you know that you know that I'm where God wants me to be. See, I, I, look, listen, I can, be in a, I can be a fox in a hole. If I know that's what God wants me to be, I'm cool with it. I could be in a remote place over in Africa, running from lions and bears. If God called me to be there, I can do it. Yes. Come on. You know why? Because that's what he's anointed me to do. But David said, look, I fought lions and bears. You know before David killed the giant? His faith was already built because he had fought a lion and a bear. And he had that to go on. So when he saw Goliath, he was like, who is this uncircumcised, ungodly person full of the ta- taunting the armies of God? David was like, you are out of your mind. David, look, God has, God, look, God gave me victory over a bear and over a lion, and you think that this dog is going to intimidate me? Oh, the devil is a liar. Amen. You know, because he was anointed by God. And, you know, don't go fight no bears and no, no lions unless you're anointed now. You better have a, because you're going to get ate up. You know, you'll be like Daniel being cast in a lion's den. You better know that you know that you know that you're supposed to be in the den with lions. Because you don't want to presume, and then we hear about you in the news. Brother got ate up by a pack of lions. Because they were trying to be biblical. They were trying to do it like the Bible. So I'm going to stick my hand, and, and the Bible said, if the snake bite me, I'll be okay. And, you know, because in the scripture, the, the snake bit the apostle Paul, and he was fine. And then you get bitten, you die. Because God didn't, God didn't call you to go stick your hand out and let snakes bite you. Come on. You see how stupid people get? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, well, okay, that's, that's just, okay, watch this. Now, here's the next point. Don't move ahead of God. Amen. Now, hear this. There have been many mistakes made. But think about this. Moses, what did Moses do? He said, okay, these people are supposed to know that God raised me up so that I can deliver the people. See, they're they supposed to know that. They, but, but in reality, they didn't get it. So Moses thinking to himself, I got a call of God. I mean, God has put this word in my heart, so I know I'm supposed to be doing this. So you know what? I'm going to kill this Egyptian because I'm going to force the issue because, you know, God has anointed me. And, and they're supposed to know anyway. But Moses ended up killing the Egyptian. He jumped ahead of God because God didn't say, go kill Egyptians. But Moses' whole thing was, I saw my brother being hurt. And so, you know, I'm anointed. I'm called of God. And so it must be now I'm supposed to rise up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Don't be jumping ahead of God. There have been many mistakes made because people move ahead of God. It ain't happening quick enough. It ain't happening fast enough. And so what do you want to do? We want to try to make things happen. Now, I believe in going after stuff. Now, we're not talking about just sitting back being lazy. Come on. But there's a balance. You got to understand. You got to know when to wait on the Lord to move some things in your life. Because your life is not controlled by man. You follow what I'm saying? But sometimes we act like it, don't we? We act like the person is pulling all the strings in our life. In actuality, no, they're not, unless you're letting them do it. 
Because if God has called you or decreed you or given you a thing, then watch this. God is going to equip you to make sure that what he's called you to do is going to happen. No devil in hell can stop it. I don't care what it is. And so Moses did like David. Remember David? David had an opportunity to kill Saul the king. In fact, David stood right over top of him. Saul had been running after David, trying to kill him for years. David had done Saul no wrong. God had anointed David and said, David, you're going to be the king. Samuel the prophet laid hands on David and said, David, you're going to be the next king of Israel. So David knew that he was called of God. And he had an opportunity. He could have took his sword and chopped off Saul's head. But you know what he said? He said, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to touch God anointed. If God want to put him on the throne, he has to put him on the throne. But I'm not going to try to force the issue and go ahead of God. And boy, when David came to his when David came to his place, the Bible said he, he, you know, the Bible says the Bible talks about how when David assumed the throne, you know, and all of his enemies round about. I mean, God just God just set the stage beautifully, and Saul ended up killing himself. David didn't have to lay a hand on. Well, he ended up dying in battle. God didn't have to lay a hand on. Uh, uh, you know, David didn't have to lay a hand on Saul. God was the one that took care. Of Saul. David just assumed his position and said, okay, God, open the door. If God called me to do it, God will open the door. But see, what, what happened is we move ahead of God. Now, you notice, turn to Genesis chapter number four. I think, no, Genesis chapter number, what's the verse? Genesis chapter 16, verses one through four. Now, let's read this. Now, Sarai, we got to move fast because I, I don't want to keep y'all here long. Now, now this is an example of moving ahead of God and the consequences of what happens when we move ahead of God. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne unto him no children. All right. She was barren and she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me. All right. So, you know, she that sounds that sounds like a little frustration, you know. The Lord has restrained me. I mean, God had called Abraham, said, and you, Abram, and your seed, all the nations are going to be blessed. Well, what's up, God? Because I ain't having no baby yet, and it's been 14 years. So God, so obviously it's been a lot of years, ain't nothing happening. How many have ever been there? She said, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Now, you know that sister was desperate. That she tell her husband to go sleep with another woman and get her pregnant so he can have a baby. Come on, you know Something wrong with that. You already know that's outside the will of God. But, but please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. He listened. So everybody say, shame on Abraham. Shame on hey, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband and Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. Keep going. So he went into Hagar and she conceived and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress, Sarah, became despised in her own eyes. Now, now watch what happens here. So instead of being patient, all right, in Genesis chapter number 12, I don't have time to turn there, but Genesis chapter number 12, God had given Abraham a promise. It's Abraham and you, all the nations are going to be blessed. And it was, he was, God was specifically, specifically talking about Sarah and Abraham. And God had made a promise that she was going to have a baby. All right. And that this baby was going to be between Sarah and Abraham. Now, she gets a little bit bothered, upset, mad, frustrated, impatient. That's probably the best, word, best way to put it. And she said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a baby one way or another. We're going to force God's hand. 
Now, here's the problem with forcing God's hand. Anytime you move ahead of God and force God's hand, then you're working against yourself and you are hindering the will of God for your life. Do you understand me? All right, let me put it this way. This is a fact. Now, I want you, how many history buffs are in here? You know, go back and study this. Ishmael's lineage can be traced to the Arab Muslim people of our day. And Isaac, who was the promised child, who came after, who came afterwards, and God said that this is the child that I'm going to bless the, all the nations through, are obviously tied to the Jews. And who are, who are in conflict to this day? Over in the middle, it's the Jews, watch this, and the Arabs and the Muslims, all at each other's throat. Goes all the way back here to somebody who decided to jump ahead of God. Jump ahead of God and look at the consequences. We got problems over there right now. Every time we turn around, peace, peace, peace. You know, Israel, the Jews, peace. Problems all over the place. Because, watch this, somebody said, God ain't moving quick enough for me. Let me tell you something. You never want to move ahead of God. He the one. That's That's a prophetic word. Don't move ahead of God because the consequences will be too great. I got to run. Hallelujah. Moses, number six. Moses settled in his mind that his dream of leading his people was over. You know, now why do you say that? Because the Bible says that Moses not only went after he killed the Egyptians. Now watch this. He killed the Egyptians. He runs off because Pharaoh hears about it. So Pharaoh decides he's, so Moses now is a fugitive. All right. He's running from the law and he runs and hide out for about 40 years. And the Bible says that he was in Midian in the land. and He got a new wife. And guess what? what? Guess what else? The Bible says that Moses was content where he was. Which tells me that, you know, you know, when, when, when God calls you to do something, when God places a call in your life. And, you know, if you ain't really doing what God is telling you to do, you, ain't, you, you know, you're not really, really content. I mean, you tolerate stuff. Uh, you know, but, but unless you're really doing what you feel like God has called you to do, you may even be making a lot of money what you're doing. But if you feel like, you know, and I know people like that who, who are making plenty of money in the job that they have, but they're not, it's not what they like to do. And so they're, they're, they're there, intele- you, know, uh, you know, intellectually, it's the right call, but emotionally, that's not really what I want to do. So, so Moses here had come to this place, and I'm sure he's probably thinking, you know what? 40 years, how I many of 40 years is a long time? I mean, after 40 years, I might think, and I'm old, I might think, well, the dream I had of leading the people out, you know, that God put in my heart, obviously that's over, because God has been like 40 years. And one of the things you first got to learn about God is that God thinks outside of time. God, he works in eternity, right? So God don't think about years, like the Bible says the year to God is a thousand years is like a day. Because he lives outside of time. So Moses is thinking, okay, 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 I blowed it, I missed it, I messed up real badly, but, 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 but watch this, watch this, watch this. After 40 years, now one would think that it's over, right? 40 years, God shows up in the burning bush. 40 years have passed. And God calls Moses, 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 you know the thing that I put in your heart to do 40 years ago? It's time now. See, how many know God is a repairer and a restorer of the breach? How many know that he can give you back the years that the enemy has tried or has stolen from you? God is able to, even in your mistakes, he can still bring about what he declared in your life. And so after 40 years, God says, Moses, now it's time to go. And the scripture said, now watch this. Here's the thing. Now I want you to look at this as a burning bush. Right, this is the best I can do for a prop. Best I can do. 
right, because I don't want to burn nothing up in here. But the Bible says, if you read the account in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says that the Moses was out there just doing it, just taking care of the sheep, just doing his regular job, all right? And the Bible says he just kind of, he turned, he turned to see. He saw the, but he turned, he said, let me, let me go back and see what this is all about. You know what I believe was happening with Moses that I think happened with some of us? That Moses had perhaps given up on what God had wanted, or at least he, in his mind, is over. And, but you know what I said earlier, that when something is really, really in your heart to do, I remember there was one time I got frustrated. Can I be honest with you? There was one time I got frustrated because people didn't recognize my calling. And I got mad. And, and it seemed like other people were going ahead of me. And I was just. I've been faithful. I've been. And brother so-and-so ain't doing hell. And he up here jacked up, messed up. And God, you blessing them. What's up with my, where, where, Where's mine? And so here's what I tried to convince myself. You know what I said? Be honest with you. I said, um, obviously God ain't called me because ain't nothing happening. Now, I got called like seven years prior, so I'm thinking, you know, seven years, and the brother was 40 years. I'm seven. I'm already upset. All right? Some of us get set, upset a lot, lot quicker than that. So, so I'm thinking to myself, so here's what I said to myself. I said, okay, here's what. Obviously, God ain't called me to do that, so I'm just going to live my life and just take care of my family and be a witness sometimes, and that's it, and I'm going to die. Now, I said that from an intellectual standpoint, but emotionally, my heart was still in what God had called me to do. And so what happened is, every single time I saw a preacher preach, every single time that, I, that somebody began to speak, to speak a word, a prophetic word, and, and, I, and I saw something, it stirred these feelings back up. But you know what I would do? I would turn to see. Because I, it's still deep in my heart, it's still what I know that God has called me to do. And there's that possibility that, that it just might happen. And so Moses, I believe Moses out there, Moses like, okay, he's out there. And, and, and every now and then he just looked to see, is God going to speak to me somewhere? I'm going to get a word from God. Is, is this thing going to happen? Is this thing going to happen? Because God had put it in his heart. You, you understand that this was a calling that God had put in Moses' heart 40 years ago. And Moses turned to see. And God has sent me to tell you this morning that some of you who may have thought that perhaps you would believe in God for something, a dream, you think to yourself, it can't never happen. It's over. That was that past life. God told me that your burning bush is coming. You just need to turn and see. Don't ignore it. Don't get so frustrated. Don't get so mad. You say, I'm not, no, I don't want a God because you let me down or because, no, and I don't want to be hurt. You just need to say, you need to turn and you need to see and say, okay, God, okay. And you got to be willing to say, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm ready to go into that next level. Because how many know that it doesn't matter what you did. Moses killed somebody. Moses had 40. And, and, and God chased after Moses. And, God, and you know, here's the, here's the other neat thing about it, and I'm closing. God said to Moses, God said, um, he didn't, you notice that he didn't talk about anything about what Moses did in the past. Moses, you remember? Let's talk about before I, you know, uh, take you, get you to go over to Pharaoh and get my people delivered. Let's first talk about how stupid you acted back then. Let me tell you something. You remember the prodigal son? Remember the father? He sees his son. That that boy was, he went and he wasted all his money. He got drunk. He, he was prostitute. He was living with prostitutes, sleeping around. And, and, think, and, you know, when the father saw him, the father don't even talk about, the father don't sit him there and say, okay, let's talk about what you did. See, here's the thing I've learned about God. 
that anything or any, anybody that always want to go back and try to drag up your past stuff, that ain't of God. Do you hear me? Don't be coming up to me telling me what I used to do. Look, that's behind me. That's under the blood. Yeah, I made some mistake. I've done some things I'm not proud about. But let me tell you something. God ain't going to call you and then, then try to drag up all your stuff. Because the Bible said he's forgiving you your sins and your treasure. So it's under the blood. And so God says to Moses, I just got to tell him, here's the assignment. I want you to go. And, and guess who's making all the excuses? Moses. Well, but the, the, God, I can't speak well. Because uh, uh, you know, I think it hit him so quick. Moses was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, God, you want me to drop what I'm doing? I mean, I've been 40 years. I've been grieving over this calling. I've been weeping. I took 40 years. And now you want me to just drop what I'm doing and just go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. Wait a minute. No, God said, I want you to go. And Moses came up with all these excuses about how he can't talk, how, how he can't. Nobody's going to listen to him. You know, he had all. But you know what? God said, look, who made man's mouth? Who's calling you to do this? Amen. Who's behind you? Amen. Who's behind you? God was saying, you just go, Moses. And one time, God got mad at him. So look, I'll, I'll, I'll let Aaron, your brother, he'll talk for you. Just go, boy, and do what I told you to do. And you know, when you read the end of the story, Moses was out there talking anyway. Aaron just kind of fade away because God raised him up. Amen. And God called him to be a deliverer. So here's a, here's, a, here's a point. And I'm done, but here's the point. Your mistakes in life, your bad choices in life. Watch this. God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your mistakes. God can still take your mistakes, your bad choices that you made. That's why Paul said this one thing I do. He said, I forget those things which are behind and I move on to what's before. Some of us, we can't enjoy our now because we're still stuck in the past. And God can't take us to the next level because we still stuck in what happened back there. You got to get over that. That's over and done with. You know, you know, old people. Well, they ain't how you to be, you know, this music, you to be music while they rapping today. Get over it. <laughs> you're just getting old. <laughs> but if you're going to embrace your now, you got to forget your past. You got to be able to say, okay, that was good. You can learn from it, grow from it. Okay, but that's there. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? 40 years, you would think the brother's life was over, right? He's at 80. Too late, too late, too late. No, 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 no. No, no. God, how, how old was Abraham when he had uh, Isaac? He, he was in his 90s, wasn't he? About 100. And Sarah was in her 90s. Uh, how many of you giving birth to babies, ladies at 90? <laughs> That'd be like something, like something wrong, you know. But again, that's one of those things. But God, but it be in it. If you hear about a 90-year-old lady giving birth, you know, <laughs> Some strength, God got to be in that. But, but, but the point is, there's nothing that you can do. Watch this. As long as you're willing to turn to God and say, Lord, I still want to be used. God can take your mistakes, your problem. And he can still bring about his purpose in your life. So if you said, well, pastor, I made a mistake. I did. I made a bad choice. Forget about it. Guess what? God can still come and bring you into your destiny, bring you into your purpose. And, you know, because he's the God of the second chance. Amen. Shout amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray.